Recently, I had the privilege to interview Simon and Maria, former Jehovah's Witnesses, and you're about to hear their story. They were faithful, loyal Jehovah's Witnesses who slowly discovered that the things they were told about God weren't true, that the governing body of the Jehovah's Witnesses is wrong. And this is their story of how they came out, what it cost them personally, and some encouragement they have for you if you're struggling with coming out. And for Christians who watch this video, which I really hope you do take the time to watch it, it's going to really open your eyes to seeing what is it that this Jehovah's Witness person who comes to my door, what kind of stuff have they gone through? Where are they coming from? Let me have a heart for them, not just a battle with them. It will change the way that you view these things. Thank you so much. This is Simon and Maria, and they have a YouTube channel, and the YouTube channel is called Simon and Maria. Is that correct? Yes. yes. And Simon and Maria are former Jehovah's Witnesses who have a story to share, and I'd love for everyone to uh, take the time to listen to this story, learn from them, learn about them, and learn about their experiences, as well as go to their YouTube channel and support them. <laughs> subscribe and give them the support that you can. So first off, let's begin. Uh, where are you guys from? Um, we're from London, England. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we live in South London, South East yeah. London. Um, Maria's always lived here. I haven't always lived here. I've come from all over England, so I come from different parts of the country. Mm. I've been here now for, well, since 1988, mm. so a long time. Been a while, nice. Um, yeah. And then when and how did you guys become Jehovah's Witnesses originally? Um, it was with my dad initially. So I wasn't raised as a witness. My dad was being called on. So the witnesses were knocking on his door. So they were doing that um, back in, I suppose, 1990. They were doing it because I think they were calling on him for about five years. And then he decided he was going to go to their meetings. And then he decided to get baptized. And Simon and I were already together. We'd met each other before that. And mm. my dad asked us both to attend his baptism. So we did that. Mm. And from then on, we started having a Bible study. Yeah, his, his baptism was at a big assembly hall mm. in, uh, uh, in the southeast of, of England. And it was a big, there, was, there must have been about a thousand of us there wow. at that when he got, when he got baptized. Right on. And then, Simon, how about you? Well, again, because we've been together for 25 years, mm. so we were together before uh, my father-in-law became a Jehovah's Witness. So we, came, we became Jehovah's Witnesses together. I became a Jehovah's Witness before Maria, mm. but only because I got baptized before her, but we were both studying mm. at, the same, at the same time. So I got baptized. I started studying the, the Jehovah's Witnesses booklets in 1994 around November and I was baptized in June 1995. Okay so how old were each of you when you first became a Jehovah's Witness? Um, I was 20. Yeah I was 20. Yeah. <laughs> and had you had any any like religious background other than Jehovah's Witness in your life before that? Well, not for me. I uh, I, before I was, I believed in God, but I also believed in evolution. Mm. So I kind of, like, yeah. I had my own kind of belief that I combined God. Yes, I believe there's a God, and I prayed to a God. I didn't know who he was, but I also believed in evolution as well. That was, 
fundamentally what I believed in. I was uh, christened as a baby in the Church of England. Mm -hmm. um, my parents didn't attend church on a regular basis, uh, but I did believe in God. Um, I remember singing songs at school because the school wasn't a religious school, but I used to sing a lot of religious songs in the assemblies. Um, I always enjoyed that. So I had a relationship with God, knew who he was, but didn't really know much about him, didn't go to a formal place of worship. Okay, right on. So, so you would say that your theological structure in life was really established by Jehovah's Witness teaching, not by anything else, really. Yeah, nothing else. <clears throat> Just, yeah. Do you think that's pretty normal for most Jehovah's Witnesses? Uh, if they're raised as Jehovah's Witnesses, yes, that that's pretty normal. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I, I I know about the Jehovah's Witnesses that I knew was that a lot of them came out of churches that didn't teach them the gospel, didn't teach them, didn't have any sound doctrine. Yeah. So Jehovah's Witnesses would come along, we would come along, I would come along and speak to these ones and throw scripture after scripture at scripture at them, and they wouldn't have any idea that those scriptures even existed in the Bible because they didn't know their Bible, because they weren't being taught it in church. And so that's why a lot of them would leave so-called Christendom and become Jehovah's Witnesses and take on their doctrine because they hadn't actually learned the doctrine that they were in church. Yeah. So, so in a yeah. sense, they weren't really leaving Christianity as much as they were never really a convicted, convinced part of it. Yeah. So they were just kind of floating through Christianity, and then they ended up landing into Jehovah's Witness uh, yeah. teaching. There's, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot like that. So... <clears throat> Maybe you could tell us this uh, for the sake of those who are really unfamiliar with Jehovah's Witnesses. Their only experience is a JW comes to their door, knocks on the door, and that conversation is their their whole experience. Um, mm. What would you say life is like as a Jehovah's Witness, and specifically, kind of how life is unique, uniquely different because you're following Watchtower teachings? Um, I suppose I would say it's very busy because. They make sure that you are busy. So when we were first Jehovah's Witnesses, we had five meetings a week. But that wasn't, they weren't all separate meetings. So um, we had three separate meetings a week, but on two of the meetings, there were two meetings held together at the same time. So we met three days a week. So we used to meet in um, at a Kingdom Hall twice a week. And then we'd meet in someone's home once a week. So that was more or less every other day that we met. And in between that time, we would go on the ministry, knocking on people's doors. Um, we would have what was called a family study. So we would have to um, teach our children the Bible and spend a, an hour or so with our children teaching them. Um, we'd have to read our Bibles, we would have to prepare for the meetings. So we went to these meetings, but we'd have to prepare for the meetings before we went to the meetings. And normally it was from a book. So one, maybe one of the magazines or the books that you may get when they call on your house, we were studying those books. Mm -hmm. So we would study and then study at the, at the meeting as well. So life was really busy. So if you if you have a Jehovah's Witness who comes to your house who says brings one of these, this is the one I most recently got. I always try to have a friendly and, and useful conversation with a Jehovah's Witness every chance I get. 
Um, this is one of the ones I got recently. You'd say that that person has actually studied, not just read, but studied through this material before they've showed up at your door so that they no, were able not, to. Yeah, not necessarily before <clears throat> they've come to your door. They are encouraged to read the magazine mm -hmm. um, before they come. But there, there's two different sets of magazines. The one you get is for the public. Okay. And there is another one which is for the congregation, which is a study magazine. They're different magazines. So what we would study at a kingdom hall in the watchtower format mm -hmm. is not what we would give you. Okay. Give you something completely different. That's been going on for years now. Um, but it is, it is a, as we, as, we, as we know, it is a works-based organization. So you do have to do a lot of works. And seem to do those works as well. So, yeah, you can go to the meetings, but if your magazine isn't underlined and prepared and people can see that, then they think you're not spiritual because you haven't prepared for the meetings. It's all about mm. showing what kind of works you're actually giving. So it makes you do a lot of stuff during the week. It makes you very busy. You've got to be seen out knocking on doors. Mm -hmm. You've got to be seen doing these things. You've got to be seen at all the meetings. You've got to be seen prepared. There's a lot, a lot involved. So that I, I, I want to, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. That, that, that magazine you showed us, they would actually, at their meetings, they were prepared to learn how to um, distribute it. So they would have a section within the meeting mm -hmm. where they would do a presentation. Yeah. And they would learn how they can present that to you. So, so like what, what, what part of the magazine to take someone to when you come to the door, that kind of information? Exactly. Okay. What questions to ask to kind of bait the discussion for over the magazine content. And then <clears throat> I want to come back to your, your schedule as a Jehovah's Witness in just a second. But you mentioned something that I, I'd love to hear more on, which is the, the two different versions of the content. You have the public version, the private version. What are maybe some of the teachings that would occur in the private version that would never make it into the public version? Or is that a fair question to ask? Yeah, I suppose... I mean, obviously, the stuff that's going into the into the study edition mm -hmm. is going to be a lot more doctrinal. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be aimed more at people that already know the doctrines and teachings, mm -hmm. whilst the public edition, they won't know. So to put that in there, to talk about Babylon the Great or the feasts of Daniel mm -hmm. is going to blow their minds in the public. So they don't know what you're talking about, but in... The study edition, you you will have all of those things being explained. Um, it's not always been like that, though. The magazine—I mm. I don't know how long you've known Jehovah's Witnesses and the magazines, but if you went back, the mag—I think the magazines were thirty-two pages yeah. initially. I'm not sure how many pages are in them now. So the study edition that is separate was actually in that magazine. Okay. This one that I just recently got, like a week ago, this is 15 pages. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> they've halved the size of the magazines, and they've halved, They've now halved. Basically, it, we used to get two magazines. We used to get one magazine a week, basically, and awake one week, a watchtower the next week. We used to get four magazines a month, um, which obviously is, what, what 48? Mm. About 48. 48 a year. Um, now it's three watchtowers and three awaits a year. That's how much they've dropped their production of magazines. That's quite a lot. Do you, do you have yeah. any thought as to why that is? 
Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I, I believe myself that they're, they're going to become an online religion. I believe that's where they're heading because uh, they do a lot of stuff online. Uh, JW.org is there, mm. but also they have their broadcasts that they bring out mm. each month. I think it's just not financially viable mm. to keep uh, pumping out magazines when most people download them now. Mm-hmm. And this dump- makes. Yeah, that makes sense because recently the Jehovah's Witnesses who come to my door often will have a tablet of some kind, and they'll yeah. want to play. They'll want to play a video for me to watch, and um, yeah, <clears throat> which uh, which that that makes a lot of sense because then they just tell them just buy a tablet, download the content, <laughs> and then we can right. don't have to publish the magazines. So, um, uh, how many hours? Have... I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. We used to always recommend people went to jw.org. So the advertising of the website is very much at the forefront of what they really want people to look at now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, and I, I do think you should go to (laughs) jw.org personally, I think, but the thing is just to study it with a critical eye and look at, look at the way the scripture is being used and notice when things are out of context and stuff. And that'll probably be very useful for people. Um, so how many hours a week would you say were spent on average in your life, uh, going to meetings, preparing for meetings, going door to door, that sort of thing? Wow. Well, you took everything all combined. Yeah. Okay, all things wow. that were, you know, specifically, these are practices I do just because I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Like nobody else will be doing this. Well, okay. I'll tell you when I first, when I first became a Jehovah's Witness, I'll tell you how much I did. Um, because that was when it was the, when we were the most active in the sense of there was a lot of things to do. You had your Sunday meet. You had your, so we started with Monday. So mo- Tuesday we had a meeting. So Monday we prepared for the Tuesday, which could take a couple of hours. So you could do a couple of hours on a Monday. Then you had a two-hour meeting on a Tuesday. So you got four hours already. Mm-hmm. Then on a Wednesday you'd be preparing for your Thursday meeting, which could take a couple of hours. And the Thursday meeting was an hour. So what you want to four, six, seven hours? Is that right? So I'm already on seven hours now, and I've got to Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then Friday is like family worship because you've got to have a so you say an hour, so seven. You're on eight now, eight hours. Saturday you do at least minimum an hour on field service, knocking on doors. So that's nine hours. And Sunday you've got a two-hour meeting, so that's eleven hours. But not only that, you would also Normally, a lot of us, because we work with our hands, a lot of you find a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses are laborers. Uh, they, they look down on education, you see. So that a lot of them are window cleaners, carpet cleaners, and plumbers, etc. A lot of them have one day off a week, and they've gone to ministry. They probably do a couple of hours. So I would say probably between thirteen and fourteen hours per week minimum. Yeah, and that's not as a notable volunteer for the kingdom hall in some sense it's just, this is just standard right yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much it and that doesn't include going to work yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah which so we probably still have to do <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do yeah, yeah. so <clears throat> um uh you were also not only were you involved i've I've seen your videos and and on your youtube channel you talk about your testimony your story what made you decide to leave some of the things you found out as you came out and some encouragement you have for people who are considering that or struggling with that um but you also mentioned that you were a um you you were a pioneer so why don't you tell us what exactly is a pioneer 
Uh, well, that would mean um, there's various pioneers within the witnesses. So you could be a auxiliary pioneer, and that would mean you would do 30 hours a month, possibly, or 50 hours a month mm-hmm. as an auxiliary pioneer. Um, if you were a regular pioneer, you would do 70 hours a month, and then you could be a special pioneer, and I think that was 120 hours a month. Mm-hmm. We have done auxiliary pioneering yeah. and regular pioneering. Yeah. So we've done we've done 30 hours, 50 hours, and 70 hours a month, and we were raising a family as well. Mm-hmm. Wow, and that that seventy hours or thirty hours that consists of doing what for that time? Well, it means it, it's all well. It's, it's difficult because it's so complicated. Mm. They compli- They didn't didn't used to be complicated. You used to be having to go and open one door, and that was it. Walking around the streets handing leaflets out. Now they have trolleys. You will see them. They have stands and and things, and they just stand there holding magazines out. It's easy um, now. Very, very big capacity. What we had, very. Yeah. And it's, um, so it's all to do with your ministry, mm-hmm. your service to Jehovah. Mm-hmm. So you have to get seventy hours of service. Some people would go building kingdom halls, and they would be allowed to count that time mm-hmm. as ministry. So they'll be out there constructing kingdom halls, etc., and they could count their time and say. Okay. And if it gets to 70 hours, they, they say, well, we made up. You know, I can't add any more to that. I can count that because it's part of what they call sacred service. But for us, we didn't do that. So we were out knocking on doors, standing in the cold 70 hours a month just mm-hmm. to get our time. It's all about time. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the, it is a very time. That's why they do the, what we call the pioneer plod which is they walk and they probably do a street in two hours because they're walking so slow. Okay, so I'm not a Jehovah's Witness and I've noticed this. I've yeah. been like, I'm like, I go out witnessing and I've I've gone door to door. I've gone out witnessing, putting cars, tracks on cars and things like that. Just be, not because I want to tell someone about it. I just want to get the word out of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, but but I, I'm like in a rush when I go. I'm in a rush to get as fast, as many people as I can, as quick as I can, as much use of my time. I've only got this much time, but yeah, I just yeah, noticed yeah. how slow they go. And I, I'm watching them and I thought I couldn't walk that slow on purpose. I don't know. Yeah, right. You know, I'm mm. a fast walker. I, could, I don't think I could walk that slow on purpose. And I, yeah. I just realized when I found out that this was, that their door to door thing was a requirement, that this yeah, was a time yeah. requirement, not a door requirement. So, you know. Then, no, I, then I thought, right. okay, yeah. yeah, you don't like doing this, so you go, you do it slow, so it happens less. <laughs> That's, I get it, and I don't blame them either. I don't blame them for it. I'm glad, you know, I'm not at all trying to criticize. It's just, it shows you what, what the typical Jehovah's Witness is experiencing as they're going door to door. This is not a fun thing. This is not a pleasant thing. This is a, it's a burden placed upon them by others, and. Oh it's expressed in the lack of eagerness and love for the thing that they're doing. I think. I think once we were at an assembly, I can remember this vaguely, we were at an assembly and one of the speakers, he said, um, I think it was something to do with the great tribulation. And he said, during the great tribulation, there'll be no more ministry and everyone cheered because they really (laughs) don't like doing it. But it is a requirement 
as as I mean, you cannot be a Jehovah's Witness without witnessing about Jehovah on the door. So mm-hmm. that's what it is. That's what it entails. Mm-hmm. But it, as you say, it can it can be a burden because mm-hmm. it's something you have to do. It's mm-hmm. not. It's voluntary, but not voluntary. Mm-hmm. So before you before you can even get baptized, you have to be a um, a publisher. It's called. Yeah. So you have to go on the doors. And you have to be doing the doors to get baptized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, here's another question. I didn't have this prepared, but it, you you brought up the Kingdom Hall meetings. What, if you could give me just a quick analysis, what would you say a Kingdom Hall meeting is like? And speak as though you're, you're, you're talking to, because you've been involved in a Christian church now for, mm. for some time. So you yeah. can kind of compare the two. What, what are things that, that me, not ever having been to a Kingdom Hall meeting, what would I be surprised to find out? Or what would I discover if I decided to go to some? Mm. Depends on the day, doesn't it? Yeah. So Sunday, we'd use a Sunday. Sunday's a good example. Yeah. I, I mean, with the church we go to is in a community hall, so it's not your typical looking church. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think the surroundings is quite familiar to how it would be in a kingdom hall. Mm. Because a kingdom hall is like a box-shaped room with with chairs. There's no religious icons anywhere. Mm. Um there's normally about three rows, different rows of chairs, all facing towards a platform. Um, and the service <coughs> normally starts with a song and a prayer. If it's a Sunday, you'll have a public talk for half an hour, and then and that'll be on any Bible topic. Um, and then you'll have another song, and then you'll do the study article of the Watchtower. Um, the one that we needed to prepare, the one that is now just for the witnesses. You would mm-hmm. do that for an hour, and then you'd end with another with another song. Mm-hmm. And during that study article, it's open to the audience to answer. So mm-hmm. maybe that would be the difference yeah. to mm-hmm. your normal service. Mm-hmm. Will be the question and answer part of the watchtower. So you'd say, in many ways, the Kingdom Hall meeting doesn't have in its structure really big distinguishing differences between that and a church service um, um the the worship that there uh-huh. is none there is not you know one of the things that when we first went into a church and i'm seeing all these people raising their hands and it scared the life out of me because i didn't know we're sitting there and then, and then suddenly people are praying and think oh this is this is really scary you know this is really weird because the, the songs are normally, I've never, I've never seen an orchestra or anything like that. The songs are normally, well, they're MP3 now. They used to be CDs and tapes. Mm-hmm. They just play them through the speakers, through a, a, a system uh-huh. and your own songbook. So they're not songs like we would sing at church that most churches sing. We've gone to Baptist church. We've gone to Calvary Chapel church. We all mm-hmm. sing the same songs. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses have their own songbook specifically designed for them. No one else has them. Mm-hmm. No one else knows. Only us. So we're the only ones that sing those songs. And it suits the doctrine. Oh, yeah. So it mm-hmm. will be in accordance to what they believe. Mm-hmm. So the songs were more about uh, like an indoctrination and ritual type moment, but it wasn't really uh, about experientially worshipping God. Oh, no. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, interesting. Only, only a few of the songs... Some songs are very touching because mm-hmm. they're talking about resurrection and hope. Mm-hmm. So maybe you'll have your favorite song, but there's not, you would never see anybody put their hands up. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you just, mm-hmm. 
They'll probably be taken out. <laughs> yeah. I, I never actually felt I was giving praise or worship to God with any of the songs that we sang. So that was a big difference. And that even to me still, it's so, it's a vast difference. So when we go to church now and we sing songs which mm. are praise and worship to God, mm. it's a beautiful thing. Mm. And it feels so much better than it yeah. was at the Kingdom Hall. Yeah. Mm. So in a sense, like this is where I would want uh, non-Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, Christians who hear this to go, this should break your heart that you were part of the, you know, Kingdom Hall for how many years and you feel like you never experienced like worship. Um, That should mean something to us. We should, we should have a heart that breaks for Jehovah's Witnesses, not just a a mind that creates traps for them. <laughs> the goal of the goal of our debate is to bring them truth and to get them into the light and not not to uh to beat them down because I from from my perspective I see a lot of people that do that they they want to learn something to say to a Jehovah's Witness so they can feel they had victory in the moment instead of considering this an outreach a loving outreach moment for this person mm-hmm. um which is a huge difference and it should be our attitude I mean towards anybody um we're about winning souls, not not arguments. So um, uh, let me ask you a question too, and I'm not sure <clears throat> how how I could ask this that would be best, but I'm curious to know because because I I have no information on this whatsoever. Is uh, financially um, the the Jehovah's Witness the face that I see from 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 Watchtower is like we're we're not about money at all. We don't want we don't care about money. We don't pay people. It's all but I'm curious because someone has to like pay for all this stuff that they're giving out. Um do you guys pay for that? Like where and and how much money do you, do you give to the Watchtower when you're part of the organization? Originally, um the Watchtowers you used to buy the Watchtower yourself and then sell it. And that would and that would be how you met they would make a little income off that. They weren't supposed to, but they did. Um, but then uh, they were going to get taxed for this, eventually, in this, in this country anyway, and probably worldwide. Um, so they ended up giving them away for free because they couldn't afford the tax on them. So what they did is they gave them away for free. But then it's down to the Jehovah's Witnesses to contribute. By, they have donation boxes at the back. They tell you they're there, but they don't off. They don't put like hand around a, a little bag to put money in or anything like that. You give what you can, and if you can't give, you don't give. There's no, there's no pressure to give. However, saying that, the the governing body in New York do a lot of the times do 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 tell us that they need money, that there's a deficit, and they need money. Okay. You know, so even though there's no pressure to do it. Uh, that's how it's 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 run. You get the magazines because, and you have to understand that they're building kingdom halls and they're they're growing around the world. They're a charity, so they don't pay tax, and every worker they have is free labor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you ran an organization like that, say if you ran a building organization mm-hmm. and everybody didn't pay them a penny, you just gave them food and shelter, mm-hmm. you'd have enough money to do that. So it's yeah. that's that's the way that they get their money. Yeah. Now, now, from my perspective on the outside looking in, like I, I, I've seen uh, preachers that are all about money and it's, it's very obvious when they're all about money. My, yeah. my impression with the Watchtower is they're, they're, they're less about money and they're more about control. Um, yeah. And a lot of people see control as more important than the money anyway, since money just gives you control of things. Um, 
because they're really domineering kind of control over people's lives. But yeah. but but the money issue, like I, I this is why I've never in a video tried to accuse the Watchtower of being a money grubbing organization. Not that they totally aren't, <laughs> but I don't think that that's the thrust. I don't think that's the big thing. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I think if you can draw people in, they will they will give money anyway. Mm. Yeah. You know, if you say we want your money, we want your money, people are not stupid. They can see that I've seen that with TV evangelists. You know, mm. give me a thousand dollars and I need and I pray for you. I don't think so. Yeah. However, yeah. if you can draw people in, they will contribute anyway. You know, they're not silly. They understand this. <clears throat> Uh, but yeah. they, they do have a lot of money. Uh, the, the the organization, even just now at this moment, is worth $4 billion. So it's not a small organization. It is a humongous worldwide organization of about 8 million people. Uh -huh. So imagine if, you know, if they're giving $10, $10 a month, you're talking about $800 million. So, I mean, it is, it is mm -hmm. quite a substantial way of making money. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'd love to learn more about the money stuff, but... Um... <laughs> yeah, maybe. Just curious, because I, I just want to understand. I want to understand what's going on, you know, and, and understand the Jehovah's Witnesses. And in a sense, I want us to feel the burden that's on them so that we have a heart yeah. for them. Um, so what were some of your most important beliefs when you were a Jehovah's Witness? What would you say are, these are like core, I, and, I, and I think in Jehovah's Witness teaching, they don't view core doctrines the way Christians view core doctrines. It seems to me that there's certain core doctrines that sh wouldn't like like blood transfusions, things like that, wouldn't seem that important to <laughs> a Christian, but seem like they're very central identifying factors of a Jehovah's Witness. So, what would you say are some of those identifying doctrines of Jehovah's Witnesses? Um, I suppose blood obviously would be um, one of them, but I think a lot of it surrounds. The name of Jehovah and knowing who the only true God is, that's a really important point. And it feels that it, for them, for them it identifies them as the true religion because they use the name Jehovah and other religions don't. So for them it is an identifying mark. Um, the ministry is part of the fulfillment of Matthew 24, 14. They feel that they are the ones going and telling the good news of God's kingdom before the end comes, so they're fulfilling prophecy. Um, obviously you've got the birthdays and the Christmas that they don't play part in. Um, Armageddon. Yeah. They're doomsday. Mm. They're a doomsday cult. Mm. So in other words, Armageddon's coming tomorrow. Armageddon, just think about Armageddon's coming tomorrow. What are you doing today to survive Armageddon tomorrow? Mm. You know, where would you rather be? You know, where would you rather be at home watching TV or knocking on someone's door? Because if Armageddon comes tomorrow and you're sitting there watching TV, what could happen? Mm -hmm. And so it's it is a it is a um, it's just around the corner. Armageddon, just around the corner, just around the corner. And that's that is that is the real focus on the Jehovah's Witnesses is that the end is so close that they need to be prepared. I mean, they've even got videos on being in a bunker, hiding away from people during the Great Tribulation. You know, they they train people of what to do. We used to even have these go bags, which were emergency bags that we would grab on the way out the door. If a disaster was happening, we'd have these go bags and we would run out the door. We even had that. Mm -hmm. Families were told to have go bags. You know, so it's, it is, I would say it's more Armageddon-based. Mm. 
And I saw footage not long ago about this where they said that the watch, the governing body requires that you need to be ready to follow their instructions, even if the instructions seem irrational or don't make sense at the time, because when Armageddon comes, it'll be like, quick, do this, do this now, do what we say, or else you're going to die. Um, yeah. Is that is that the, the vibe you got when you were Jehovah's Witness? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And if I'm honest, I found that statement exciting. Yeah, that's I thought right. it was exciting yeah. that they would ask us to do something mm. that doesn't strategically feel like mm. we should be doing it. Yeah. From a human standpoint, it doesn't seem like we should be doing it because they relate it to Moses mm. in, the, in the wilderness when he left Egypt and he was guiding Israel. Mm-hmm. They could have gone around the red the Red Sea. They didn't have to go through it. But they he went and took them to the Red Sea and then he saw Jehovah's power and he divided the sea. So mm-hmm. that's how they relate it yeah. to that God will do something amazing for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you mm-hmm. have to trust it. Mm-hmm. And if it's true, it is exciting. I yeah. mean if they're if they really are Jehovah's honestly are Jehovah's organization and and God's like, Oh, God's moving, like finally, you know. But if they're not true, that that scares scares me, you know, um, because I don't know what they're going to tell people to do <laughs> or win. Now that we've left, I'm not excited about no. that statement, and I am very worried about that statement. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder what the limits are uh, on what they might <clears throat> like. If if the government comes against them, as they have, several governments have come against the the, the governing body in for different reasons, and whether it be issues of abuse or things like that. Um, there's court cases could seem like they're going on 24 hours a day, it seems. And, um, and I wonder if the governments continue to come against them, will there become some point where they call upon the Jehovah's witnesses to somehow respond to this? And that, I don't know, that concerns me a little bit. I'm not sure how, how that would play out. They've already done that. They did it in Russia. Uh, the witnesses got banned in Russia. And the governing body told all the witnesses in the world to write letters to Putin mm. to tell him that he shouldn't be banning the Jehovah's Witnesses in mm. Russia. And they all did it. Mm. And they did it. You know, I know that. I've seen it. Yeah. You know? So they do call upon people to go against governments who are against them. Mm-hmm. You know, even though they're not supposed to be, they're supposed to be politically neutral and have nothing to do with governments. This is what they asked them to do, and they did it. And I believe that was a test to see how loyal everyone was. Mm. We've yeah. heard rumors that we've heard some rumors that they um, are going to start delivering a message of judgment soon. So rather than a message of good news that the paradise earth is coming soon, the message will change to a message of judgment, and they will be telling people it's too late, and you will be destroyed at Armageddon, something like that. I don't mm. know. It's going to make for some interesting encounters at the door. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. Mm. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, okay, so, new question. (laughs) Um, uh, Oh, and let me just point this out for for anybody who doesn't understand what it is we're we're getting at with these different beliefs, is the the unique beliefs of Christianity would be the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, right? That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that that um, you need to simply believe in Jesus, his death and resurrection. You, you turn, you repent, which means to turn your heart from a life of rebellion to a life of submission to God. I, Lord, I want to, I want you as my Lord and savior. You are saved. It's not of works 
that's our gospel essential. It's real simple. I could say it in one sentence, you know, uh, but the essentials of Jehovah's Witnesses have very little to do with the gospel. They have to do with a whole slew of other things that mm. circulate around controlling the Jehovah's Witnesses life um, yes. and isolating them from others. So they don't, I see, we would identify a true move as having a true gospel. They identify a true move as having, using the name Jehovah a lot. Which yeah, is, yeah. you know, kind of a non-issue in all reality. Um, I can I can pray and say Jehovah. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> but it's not a distinguishing thing. Whereas, you know, the 144,000 blood transfusions, birthdays, you know, government yeah. issues. Like there's just this big list of unimportant yeah. issues that are essentials. <clears throat> so um, what was it that first caused you? And as I understand watching your videos, Simon, it was you who first really started to doubt Jehovah's Witness teachings. What was the yeah. trigger for you that started that? Um, well, I was an elder for many years. In other words, I was one that had a position within a congregation, in many congregations, actually. Um, and even though all the brothers are sincere, and, the, and we have to get this clear, Jehovah's Witnesses are very sincere, and a lot of them can be very kind people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if they were not sincere, they would not be part of such a laborious and involved no, thing. They would. Well, not all of them. Now, some of them do like that position because they don't have a position at work, so they like to have a position of authority mm. in the congregation, and I have seen that. Um, but I did see behind the scenes, it started to get a little bit silly. In other words, it, it was very image-based. You know, we were making harsh judgments of the brothers. We were condemning the brothers. We were condemning the brothers and sisters for a lack of spirituality because they weren't commenting enough at the meetings or they didn't look right or they weren't doing enough hours in the ministry. I mean, I remember talking about somebody uh, about uh, their hours in the ministry and, oh, he's not doing double figures, which basically means he's not doing 10 hours plus a month and he's a cripple in a wheelchair. And you think, and, and they were really harsh on this guy. And I thought, wow, really? Really, that's that's how you view things? And the small things like that. And then I grew a beard. And I was told that I could no longer be an elder if I had a beard. So I had to either shave it off or step down. So I shaved it off. Then I grew it back and stepped down anyway. Because <laughs> I thought to myself, well, hang on. And then they wanted to put me on the cleaning department to clean the toilets and clean everything. And they said, no, you can't do that because you've got a beard. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't allowed to clean the toilets at the Kingdom Hall because I had a beard. And I was like, wow. You're not good enough bad. for the toilets, man. Not if you have no, a beard. I'm not going to clean my head or anything. Such a strange. And I, I said to Maria, you know, this is really weird. And she was like, oh, it's just a beard. It's just a beard. And I was thinking, it's not just a beard. Mm. It's something more involved in this. Why are they so concerned about it? Mm. What difference does it make? And then I realized as I was going through that there was, it's a lot of image. It's all about an, an outward show mm. or a, a display of, of, of cleanliness. cleanliness. But in reality, when you go behind the scenes, you can see it's not like that at all. And that's what caused me to start doubting, you know, then I started to do my research. And you're not allowed to do independent research. Mm. You're not allowed. Mm. You, you can only research on jw.org. Now, I've really? actually 
encountered JW's where I said, you guys are told you're not supposed to research. It doesn't that, doesn't that raise your eyebrows that you're not supposed And they told me, oh no, we're encouraged to research. That's, I mean, at my door, that's what they told me. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't argue with them about it because I'm not going to be like, you're a liar. Like I just, but, I, but it sounded to me like they're going, you guys can research if you want, but, but here's what we think is wise. Is it, is it, I mean, how do they present this? They would actually tell you, they would tell you don't ever put Jehovah's Witnesses into the search engine on Google. Yeah, never type that. Because you'll come up with an apostate website. Mm. And then they designed their own official website. And then that's why they direct everyone to the official website. So they would never put Jehovah's Witnesses into the search engine. Yeah. And I'll tell you, they spend money making sure that that JW.org is what pops up. Oh, yeah. Do searches because you don't get up to the top without some some money yeah. getting spent. They they really are making sure that they're they're on the top there. But yeah, I mean, they, I mean, I remember not so long ago they did say to the brothers, brothers, you don't need to do all the research because there are brothers at Bethel in New York that have done all the research for you, and it's on JW.org. So all you need to do is use that and just trust the brothers have done the best research that they can for you. And they have, they have a, they actually have a thing called a, a research tool on their website or on the, on an, a website attached to that particular website, but it's just called a research tool. So you really don't feel you need to go anywhere else because it's all been done for you. Yeah, it's all done yeah. for you. Now, as a guy that spends many hours every week doing research on a variety of topics, I found that JW.org was some of the th- the thinnest research I've ever seen. Like they'll sit, they'll they'll say stuff and they won't even quote what source they're quoting, and there'll be no footnotes, and there'll be nothing. There's no way to verify the information they give, and sometimes oh. they'll they'll make a statement, they'll quote something, and the quote literally doesn't even have anything to do mm. with the statement, and I'm, yeah. I'm just going like, this is not a very good research tool, <laughs> even if you are Jehovah's Witness, it's just not a good. Mm-hmm. It's a propaganda tool, unfortunately. It is, yeah. Yeah. So, what when you first started having those doubts, Simon? What did you do? Um, I did what I was not supposed to do, and that was I went on YouTube. Um, I went online, and I, I I got in. I got a lot of information from ex Jehovah's Witnesses testimonies. So there was. I didn't realize there were so many, because obviously you're not allowed to look for anything. So therefore, you don't look. And you're not allowed to talk to apostates, so you don't speak to them. Um, even ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, you're not supposed to speak to them, apostate or not. So I did all this research. I found all these testimonies of these people. I downloaded them. I listened to their testimonies. Um, and then obviously I was starting to learn things from the Bible that differed from what I believe is a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, and then I started sharing that with you. <laughs> which didn't go down well at all. It was messy. <laughs> you know. I mean, even one of the first things was, Jesus is not Michael the Archangel. It is impossible yeah. for that to be the case. Yeah. And when I learned that, I realized, hang on, if that's not true, what else is not true? And so I started to read the book of John, started to listen to the book of John and then we started both listening to oh. the book of John and, and all the gospels and and uh, and we realized actually we had more questions than answers I couldn't answer these questions oh. like how come this what about this what about that what about that scripture mm-hmm. mm. I, I couldn't answer them mm. 
with my Jehovah's Witness mind, I couldn't answer them. Mm. I had to come out of that. And once I started looking at it as it was and reading the scripture as it is, mm. then I realized, no, what, what we believe is not true. It, mm. It's not true. It just isn't. It can't be. Because the scripture says something completely different. Mm. And I know the newer translation as well. I know the old one. There's a green one. There's a black one. Now there's a silver one. And I know the changes that have happened in it. And I see it. I've got the original Greek interlinear. Mm-hmm. And I see the changes they've made. You, seeing that destroyed my faith in the organization. And because I knew they deliberately changed scripture to fit their own doctrine. <clears throat> okay, so this is a book I bring out when I have Jehovah's Witnesses that come to my door. You recognize this, right? That's now this is this is this is this is printed by who? Yeah, the Watch Out Mark Jackson. Guys. That's right. So this is this is like good information because I know I know they're suspicious of anything I share that's not printed by the Watchtower. So I take them to Colossians one and I show them how even in the interlinear, they've added the word other to change the meaning of the text so that it would it would imply that Jesus is a created being, and I show it to them and every time the response is the same, they leave. And they don't come back yeah. to the door. <laughs> they do. Always. And I do it graciously and I do it lovingly. And I always, I lead with questions because I know where I'm going with it. I'll say, hey, here's Colossians 1. And we read it in the New World Translation. And I said, I said, now if the word other wasn't there, that would kind of change the meaning of the text, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that imply if the word other wasn't there that Jesus is is the one who created, but he's not, he's not created himself. And then they, they, they don't like hypotheticals like that because, <laughs> because then. You know, so then they're like, and I, I try to get them to just think it through. And then I go, okay, then I'll show them that it, the word other is not there. I, I think that this is perhaps, now obviously you have to have a tiny bit of knowledge of Greek to share that. But I think mm-hmm. this is a fantastic way to, to approach it. Um, because like you said, that was the thing that kind of changed it for you. Yeah. Um, or at least one of the things. Also, I watched, some, I watched your video on Jehovah's Witnesses that you did ages it must have been a couple of years ago i'm not sure but you did one on jehovah's witnesses and their beliefs okay. um it must have been a couple of years. and that was what that was one of the videos that really made it very clear to me about because i was looking at my own organization's history you know all the way back to charles Taze russell upwards mm. and um you know what the thing is 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 once you learn one truth just you only need to learn one that it's like removing a card from a house of cards you only need to move one and the whole lot come down and once you can prove something you really believe is true isn't true and you know it it's fact and you've looked in the scriptures you've you've looked at that studied that and you said this is not true then it questions everything else. Mm. And so you start to question everything else. And that's what I did. And I was writing scriptures down. I was doing study. I was looking. I got different Bibles. I was on Bible Hub. And I was got the concordance, Strong's Concordance. And we just have research and realized it's not true. Mm. It didn't. So what kept you from, at that point, just abandoning all belief in God and the Bible? Uh, you didn't know, did you? No. Uh, I, I, I didn't. Once I'd left the witnesses, I didn't feel the need to not have a belief because I felt like almost Jesus had taken me and said, this is, what, this is how I feel about you. So I, I felt rejected by the witnesses. And I felt my daughter was rejected by the witnesses. 
And then when I was listening to my Bible, all of a sudden Jesus was talking to me and it was like, mm. I don't reject you. I don't reject your daughter. I would never mm. treat your daughter the way they have treated her. <laughs> so it's like I was listening to him. So I was being comforted all the time, comforted. Mm. It was nice. It was really nice. <laughs> so your experience, so it seems to me that Simon and Maria, you both had very different experiences coming out of the Watchtower. And for Simon, it was like more like a world falling apart. And for Maria, it was more like uh, being just drawn into the light. <laughs> that's like, like, at least that's my impression from what you share. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to disprove the Bible. Mm-hmm. I actually searched the Bible for contradictions, and I would mm-hmm. tell you, and it see, contradicts, contradicts, why is it contradicted? And I would, I would search to disprove the Bible, and in searching the Bible to disprove it, I proved it. So I did the complete opposite, you know, of mm-hmm. what I was planning to do, was to just destroy my confidence in the Bible and just say, right, I'll do what I like. I don't need a religion or anything like that. And in studying the Bible, I ended up proving the Bible to myself. <laughs> And not disproving it. So it had a complete mm-hmm. reverse on what I was actually aiming at. So while Simon was struggling, I found that really hard. Because I was clinging on to the organisation still. So mm-hmm. we had our difficulties. And I recognised that there were problems within the organisation. But I was holding on to it. Because mm-hmm. I believed it was still truth and Simon didn't. So and that's, that's, that's like a lot of JWs. That that's the thing, right? Where they go, well... It, it's the best religion out there. It's the best organization in existence. That's like a real important point for them. What what brought you away from that? Yeah, I even said I even said that to somebody I I knew who who knew that it wasn't the best, but he didn't let on. I I said to him it was the best religion out there, and he and then the next time I saw him, he said to me, "How do you know it's the best? Have you looked at the others?" Mm. And he got me thinking. He got me stopped in my tracks because I hadn't looked at any others. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really looked at any others. I was just going by my own knowledge of what I thought others believed. Mm-hmm. So, Simon, the thing that triggered you, it sounds, was you saw the treatment of people from within the leadership of your group. Um, yeah. And then that kind of caused you to question, like, how legit can this be when this is what we do? And then you started to actually research. When you started to research, that was when really the, you know, the the, the lid blew off, so to speak. Yeah. And then, um, and then, Maria, what was the thing that triggered it for you to first really start opening the door to the possibility that this may not be the best religion out there? Um, it was when our daughter got disfellowship. Mm-hmm. So our daughter had got baptized as a Jehovah's I think six months later, she um, met a boy at college, so she had a boyfriend. Uh, she found it difficult to leave the boyfriend, so the Jehovah's Witnesses disciplined her because she wasn't repentant. But the discipline means that she was shunned. So she was being shunned by my family, so that, that was my mum and dad and my sister. Mm-hmm. That, that really rocked my face because I thought, I don't understand, how can my parents not be talking to my daughter, this isn't right. So it started with the shunning side mm-hmm. of this. And so so I'm assuming that she has a relationship with a boy who's not a Jehovah's Witness. Is that Was that the problem? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, like, now, from as a, as a Christian pastor, from a biblical perspective, we would say, hey, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have a, a romantic relationship with someone who's not a believer. Um, but 
it is not cause for excommunication and excommunication isn't shunning anyways. <laughs> so there's a, like, it's like, it's like, okay, here you're, you're doing something you shouldn't do, but this is, doesn't rise to the level of, of any, any response from the church yeah. leadership, except for, Hey, you know, this probably isn't going to help when you have kids in the future and they're trying to figure out what they believe. And one parent believes one thing and one believes another. It's going to be, you know, for your sake, we, we recommend rethinking it. <laughs> you know, It's like that. Yeah. But um, it, anyways, it, just, yeah. It was more than the fact that it was a boy that wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. It was because she had slept with the boy. That was mm -hmm. what it was. Okay. So it was a sin. She mm -hmm. committed a sin. So it was more difficult than just somebody that she was, you know, just boyfriend and girlfriend without yeah. anything that would be sinful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then were you, are you supposed to shun her as well under their rules? Um, it's, a, it's, it's very difficult. They have they're gray areas. So she lives in the house with us. So no, you don't shun your daughter if she lives in the same house as you. Mm -hmm. You do limit. You can't talk about spiritual things. Mm -hmm. So you can't open the Bible and talk about the Bible with the person. But you can you know, do everyday things. But if she moved out, then yes, we would have to shun her. Actually, it's not shunning in itself. You have to treat the person as if they don't exist, which is different than I'm not talking to you. Mm -hmm. You are actually dead. And that's what yeah. we're taught to do. In fact, actually, we're trained at assemblies and conventions on how to shun. We have training videos on how to actually shun people and they always aim nine times out of ten at the mum with their child and that's and they say no you can't even answer the phone you can't text them you can't respond to them you can't email them even if they're gonna well, what if the person's gonna jump off a bridge and the last thing i phone my mum as a last resort and she puts the, puts the phone down on that doesn't even answer that's how extreme how far they go and there's been a lot of things happening in the news lately that has exposed that shunning it's, it's very extreme yeah, I recently heard a news story about a um, <clears throat> murder suicide that was said to have been a result of a yeah. of a shunning where a family. It, it, I mean, not that. <clears throat> well, anyways, it it's just what it does is it illustrates how traumatic mm -hmm. this thing really is, um, and so that brings yeah. me my next question, which was when you decided to actually leave leave the Watchtower, mm -hmm. leave the organization. Um, how hard was that for you guys? Um, it was it. The, it was simply just not going to the meetings. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't necessarily difficult mm -hmm. to not attend the meeting because we'd already decided, okay, enough is enough now. We've seen enough and we know that we don't want to be any part of it anymore. The difficult part was knowing that that would upset my parents mm -hmm. because my family and every Jehovah's Witness really believes that if you leave the organization you're leaving God they equate one and the same there is no separation if you leave the Jehovah's Witnesses you're leaving God and they can't separate them at all so I kept telling my parents that I love God and I haven't left him I've, if anything I've got a closer relationship with him but they didn't understand oh. so my mom was very upset and I think it goes so far as to for them, in their minds, and they don't really want to 
say this and share this with you, but in their minds they're thinking you're going to die at Armageddon because you've left the witnesses. So that's how they felt. So I did I did tell my parents, do you feel that way? Because I've got a quite an open relationship with my parents, so I can say that. And my mom was like, no, no, of course I don't think yeah. <laughs> But, you know, that's why she was upset. I said, why are you upset otherwise? Because all I've done is leave the organisation. I've not left God. But, like I say, it's one of the things mm-hmm. you can't divide it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of the marks of a <clears throat> of a cultish group is is that whole the muddying of the difference between following God and following them. There's no difference in their mind. So did you guys experience any sort of response from the people in your lives when you, when you disassociated? And, Oh, let me ask you this first. Uh, did you do it? Like we're out, everybody know it. We're out. Or did you kind of like what they call the fade? Did you, did you just, did you just like slowly not appear there anymore? What was your method? It's quite difficult for, um, it sounds really weird, but it's, it, I can't just fade because I was, not just because I was an elder, but I used to go around to all the congregations in the whole of this area, mm. giving talks, and I used to give talks in front of assemblies and even at conventions, mm. in front of thousands of people. So um, it's not like, we're not kind of like uh, an unknown couple. Mm. We were everywhere. And so... To fade, is, it would have been quite difficult. So what we did is we stopped going to the meetings. They, they did come round the elders, and I threw questions at them. Maria said, don't talk to them about anything. Just talk to them about the shamming, but don't talk to them about anything else. And, I, and I, of course I did, yeah. and I had no answer. And so eventually one elder came round almost like, almost like as a token, and he's a lovely brother, and I do really hope he comes out. Um, and he had no answers for my questions, and I, and I knew he wouldn't. I knew he wouldn't because I didn't have answers for them, and he didn't. So off he goes. And then mm-hmm. it was around Nine. no February, okay. and it's your because of you. Yeah. <laughs> we went to a Calvary Chapel, yeah. not near where we live, because we didn't want people to see us go into church. Yeah. Um, because I liked. The doctrine. I thought the doctrine is sound mm-hmm. enough for me to trust that. Mm-hmm. Found out what you did. You're in Hosanna, is it? Hosanna Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Calvary in Bell- Bellflower, California. Yeah, which is a Calvary right. Chapel. Which is Calvary Chapel. And so <laughs> we went to a Calvary Chapel in Leatherhead, which you won't know, but it's miles away from us, so that mm-hmm. no one could see us coming out of the church, mm-hmm. um, which is a community center anyway. But so uh, we listened to you on a Sunday morning. Yeah. We stopped going to the Kingdom Hall. But we're, you know, we have a love for God, so mm. we wanted to listen mm. to something, yeah. and we chose to listen to you on a Sunday wow. morning. Uh, that, that blesses my heart so tremendously much. I mean, let me tell you the behind the scenes, okay? I teach a Sunday night service for probably 15 people that come to the church, that, that show up for this particular service. They love it. We love it. We have a great fellowship together, and it's, it's fantastic. We love it. Um, I love the word of God. I love getting to share it. I love getting clarity in the scriptures and all that. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to then upload this stuff online and have it minister mm-hmm. to people uh, potentially around mm-hmm. the world, it just oh. blows me away and blesses my heart. And when I found out from you guys that you'd you'd been you know receiving teaching from me that that you felt was something that ministered to you and blessed you just and and helped you navigate through that awkward mm-hmm. and hard time. Um, mm. just really, really blesses me, really blesses me. So praise the Lord. Yeah. 
the, the thing was is that we went in February, so we've been going to this church for a year now. We went in February to this church. Uh, this great pastor, Matt Cotman and his family, beautiful family. Mm. And uh, he took us in, he mm. spoke to us, we spent hours, we went by his house, we had dinner at his house. This was incredible, he didn't know us. And um, We were there. Although, terrified. So terrified. Absolutely yeah. terrified. You know, when he's he got these crosses hanging out of his out of his door and I'm thinking, ah, this is a cross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what's gonna happen here? And um but anyway, we, we started going and after, and in May we we got baptized mm-hmm. again, but in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we're both mm-hmm. now baptized. Mm-hmm. Christians, born again Christians, <clears throat> with Christ in us, mm-hmm. and it it is so different. Yeah. It's like a completely different type of worship now, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's been very awesome. But we got baptized, but they disassociated us mm-hmm. in December. Mm-hmm. We didn't know about it. They did it without our knowledge. So, in other words, they set up a committee of men and disfellowshipped us in December mm-hmm. going to church. But in the May, I told them I was going to church already. So mm-hmm. why they delayed, I don't know. So, But we didn't know anything about it. So we didn't disassociate ourselves. They did it for us. Because okay. we're going to church. <clears throat> not because <clears throat> we're doing it. We're not out. So selling drugs or getting drunk mm-hmm. we are just going to church we we're, we're part of we're members of a church now and that's the reason they disassociated yeah now just for us to notice this like the evidence that the watchtower knows they're not really a christian religion is the fact that they'll disassociate someone if they go to another church <laughs> like this is yeah, that's right. this is like seems to me to be them admitting look we know them and us are irreconcilably different yeah you know pick any church you want we'll disassociate you you're part of that now if you left calvary chapel and you went to a baptist church calvary chapel is not like making announcements to the congregation how they shouldn't talk to you anymore right (laughs) (laughs) we're just like god bless you guys you know that's that's fine you know so um when they do this don't isn't it true that they actually go in front of the congregation or in front of the kingdom hall to actually tell everyone your names and about how they shouldn't talk to you anymore? They don't need to tell you the don't talk, because that is standard. If, if okay. it says, Simon and Maria Grenfell are no longer Jehovah's Witnesses, they all, that's, they automatically know we don't have anything to do with them ever again. Mm-hmm. And they will announce it, they do announce it from the platform. So they cross the road and they don't talk to us. You know, we've just experienced that today, we were out on the walk today. And someone, we didn't actually see her because it was sunlight and the sunlight was low. But as she went to cross the road, I recognised her. So she obviously recognised us mm. and thought I better cross the road and mm. not and not walk past them. Yeah, mm. happens all the time. Mm. So have you lost a lot of friends and, and, and potentially family because of this? Everybody. We, we never had any other friends. That was all we had. Yeah. So we lost everybody. Yeah. So... Hundreds. So basically, yeah. your entire social circle gone yeah. when you leave yeah. the watchtower. Oh yeah. The only ones that associate with us, apart from obviously our Christian brothers and sisters, mm. apart from 
them, the only ones that we ever had a relationship with Jehovah's Witnesses wise are, are ones that have left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are the only ones that will talk to us. The ones mm-hmm. that have already left to watch that. Do you think there's a lot of people that <clears throat> don't believe but continue to go because of they just don't want to experience the loss of everybody they know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. We know some. Yeah. What would you encourage them if, if, if they were listening to this video right now? It's hard to say. So difficult because the consequences are so high. Mm. The accountability is so high. Mm. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're physically and mentally out. That's what we call them. They're awake, but they're in. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, they've got to pray about it, and the Holy Spirit won't leave them alone. Eventually, mm. the Holy Spirit will bring them out because there's, you can't fight against it. It just mm. it will pull you up because you'll see the lies and the uh, and the uh, the misinformation around you too much to the point where you think I can't. I've either got to leave or I'm going to have a breakdown. Because it yeah. is too much. So there are a lot of people that are unfortunately in that situation. And I think it also depends on if they have kids or not. Because if you're yeah. if you're raising kids into that environment, you're creating that situation again for your children. So if you're staying yeah. if you're staying in because of the consequences, you're creating those that same problem for your kids because all the all the people they're they're learning to know and fall in love with are all part of it as well. So it's just something yeah. I think for me, I'd, I'd have more of an urgency to just bite the bullet if I felt yeah. like I was leading other people into the same conundrum that I was in. And it's just uh, tough stuff, tough stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> um, let me ask you another um, question here. I Here's one of the ones I sent you earlier to think about. It's what are some of the things uh, you had to unlearn or relearn? And what were the biggest surprises to you as you studied the Bible? For me, the biggest surprise was learning that Jesus is God. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't want to accept it. So mm. I, I I'd actually, so we'd listened to several things on YouTube. And then we found this website. It was JW Infoline, something like that, uh, where you could download audio. And it was uh, witnesses who had left and become Christians, and it was their testimony. Mm. And it was also some teaching tapes. So I downloaded a lot of the teaching tapes, and because our work is cleaning, we could listen to these things all during the day. And so I did that, and I was hearing them quote scripture after scripture after scripture of who Jesus Mm. is and the condition of the dead. Mm. And... Okay, I could accept the condition of the dead. That wasn't so bad. But who Jesus was, I just, I don't know whether I didn't want to accept it or I just couldn't accept it. Mm-hmm. It was too much for me to take in. And then and then I got to a stage where I was like, okay, I'm ready now. So I kept saying to him, I'm ready now. I can accept it. I'm ready. Oh. But I wasn't accepting it still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then something happened. I, um... I, I prayed all the time. I prayed, please let me understand you because I want to understand you. I really do feel I'm ready to accept it, but I'm just not understanding it. Uh, so one day I had to leave work, I had to go home, and I had to go home on the bus. And I went on the bus, and there was a track just on the seat, and the title of the track was Do I Want to Know the Way Home? And I opened the track, 
and there it was. It was, it was the gospel before me. It was everything before me. And I cried all the way home, just reading this, and I was like, okay, I'm ready now. Mm. <laughs> I can accept who you are. And it was, it was emotional. It was very emotional. Wow. There she goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's really interesting that once you understand who Christ is, mm. the Bible just opens up. It's almost like when he said, I am the gate, I am the door. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you understand the key, you open it and it opens. Mm-hmm. Like when yeah. I do my Bible reading now and I read certain things about, it says this about the Father, and it says exactly the same thing about the Son, doing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Then I read in the Old Testament, which is fulfilled in Jesus, which is impossible. Then I read in Revelation, then I read in John, and it's like, you say it, Jesus is God. He mm-hmm. said it, you know, and that's a fact. And once you get that, and once you understand that the Word became Word, God, Jesus became flesh, mm-hmm. and and was a man, then you can understand his humanity and his deity. Once yeah. you get that, mm-hmm. then the Bible is clear. You can understand the Bible, but without that, mm-hmm. you don't really understand it. So that was the, the most important teaching for me was understanding yeah. who Christ was, and then I understood the rest of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, like Jesus said to the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. He says, but these are they which testify of me. Uh, powerful. Powerful. Yeah. Awesome. So um, was there anything else that just, because um, in my experience dealing with people who have come out of either Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness, whatever it is, they, they've got, it's not just one false teaching that they've been told, it's, it's really a whole host. Um, and And though they may realize the organization's wrong and they may come out of it and they may have some doctrinal truth now, some things sort of cling. <laughs> Sometimes confusing or wrong beliefs cling and they sort of drag on. Did you experience any of that as you uh, as you stepped out? I still do a little bit. Yeah. I think we are fully undoctrinated. Yeah. I think I've, I've just brought two books today. I've brought um, The Kingdom of the Cult and... Um, combating cult mind control. Mm. So, because I feel I still I'm still clinging on to things, mm. and there is there is measure of control. Mm. We we were Jehovah's Witnesses for 22 years. That's a very long time, and mm. we've only not been Jehovah's Witnesses for a year. Wow. So, so it's too early. Mm. Yeah, it's too early for us to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm completely over that. So we're not. We're not completely over it. It's the trust, isn't it? It's once your trust is, it's like it's like being in a, a relationship and the other person has been unfaithful, mm. and you split up from that person, but then your trust in the next person mm. are they going to do the same thing? Mm. Mm. And that's with us. It's like I'm going to go to church. I don't. Are these church going to suddenly tell me that I need to mm. be there? I need to be this church, or yeah, or, you know, there's there's no other way but us. Mm. And I said to Maria, I said if the if our pastor suddenly decides, hey, you've got to follow me, I'm walking out the door. Yeah. But he won't do that. We know him. We know these people mm-hmm. very well. We've gone there uh, if, if it was like that. But it is trust, and it does come up. Mm-hmm. It does come up every now and again. Mm-hmm. And you, think, you question someone's yeah. motive. They might do something that's completely innocent, and you're like, why did they do that? Mm-hmm. What's going on? <laughs> because yeah. we've, we've lost that trust. 
in people. It's mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of former JWs find comfort in extreme skepticism because it feels like it's a safety net, you know, to protect me from the abuses I experienced in the past. I'll just be incredibly skeptical of everything. And then I, then I, but the sad thing is that that skepticism can, can sometimes become uh, self-confirming. It's like, if I'm suspicious, Mm -hmm. then it must be true. Like whatever, whatever I'm worried about must be true about that person. And so there's, you know, there's a battle they have to go through, I think. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of broke my heart. There's there's a guy on YouTube, John Cedars, who's who's who came out. Of, you guys are familiar with him, right? And he's got some really good content out there, right? But but he came out. He became like kind of the uber skeptic, and he's now like got videos attacking the Bible, attacking. Even, basically, he's an atheist, an outspoken atheist now. And actually, I'm not mad at him for it. I just my heart just broke because it's like I think I see what happened. You know, this was your. Yeah, pre- right. Yeah. I felt sad for him because he seems like a nice guy, but, you know, it's a shame. But it does make atheists. It does make, because he must have had a belief in God to have been a witness in the first place, Mm -hmm. raised or not, you know. Mm -hmm. So it is a shame when that happens, but that's what we don't want. That's why we even started our channel in the first place, was to to just get out there that, Mm -hmm. okay, you've been hurt, but... Mm -hmm. It's not about the organization. It's not even about a religion. It's not even about a church. It's about mm-hmm. Christ. And that's really where we want you to go. Give him a go. Yeah. Give him a shot. Give him a chance. And you'll see that it's not about witnesses, Mormon, Scientology, mm-hmm. you know, any church, any religion. It's yeah. about him. Yeah. It's all of, and it always has been about him. Yeah. There's, there's counterfeit out there, but there's... But you only yeah. counterfeit things that are real, <laughs> you know. Exactly. And if if someone had realized their money was all counterfeit, that doesn't mean there is no real money. <laughs> there's no that there is no real God. Or, anyways, yeah. I, I I'm with you guys on this, and maybe that's why you, you you're you were drawn to my teaching because because I tend to be slow to believe things and a bit skeptical myself, and I feel a burden to vet everything I say before I say it, um, check everything before I teach it, and then present it in a way where I'm submitting it for your judgment. Not just telling you, you have to take my word for it. And I think that, I think that that's, I mean, I don't know how else to teach because I'm like, that's, I don't want you to to take your authority of your pulpit and smash into my face with it and tell me what to believe. (laughs) Like, like, show me what I should believe, you know, and and I'll consider it. That's, that's, that's my perspective. So, um, yeah. Um, So you no longer trust the governing body. Um, which is good, I think. But is there anyone you do listen to and you do trust today um, that you feel is um, not not like a governing body, but you feel is is credible, like sources that you might say to someone else who's gone through what you've gone through? Here's here's a couple sources that I think are helpful. No, okay. Well, JW Facts is. Very helpful. There's a previous Jehovah's Witness that put up a website called jwfacts.com and that he must have spent a long time making that. I do do find that very, very good for people that are leaving because it's all watched out based. So it's not just what people think, it's not people having a go and, you know, I would say that I, I, very difficult because if you just go on YouTube and put in Jehovah's ex Jehovah's Witnesses, you're going to have a lot of bitter people. You're going to have a lot of people slamming the Bible. You're going to have a lot of people slamming the Watchtower. And really, when you're leaving, you don't really need that. 
you know, you need, because you just think, well, they're not right, and these people are mad, so mm-hmm. therefore, I'm not interested in anything. JW.facts is a good place to go to, mm-hmm. and I would say, really read your Bible, get yourself a good Bible, get that silver sword that we call it, the New World Translation, keep it, put it to one side, and get yourself a good Bible. If you want a King James Bible, get a King James Bible. If you want a new King James Bible, English Standard Version, American Standard Version, NIV, those kind of Bibles. A lot of people have their favorites. A lot of people might say, well, I don't like the NIV, I like this. But get yourself a decent Bible and just read it. Read the Gospels, read them as they are. Read them as they are and try to take off your watchtower brain mm-hmm. and interpret what it says. Yeah. Read so- it the difference I hear is that you guys had the governing body as like the sole source of what is true and right. And then uh-huh. <clears throat> when you left, you started saying, okay, instead of having sources of like authoritative truth, I now have um, multiple sources of careful information that I'm going to use. Uh-huh. You know, there's, there's my cat. It's making a yeah, I've actually shut my door so my cats can't come in. <laughs> if I do that, my cat will like claw at the door and just make, That's make what it worse. I'm gonna put a box down there. So. <laughs> share share your secrets with me. They have to come visit me every once in a while. Um, so I mean, and this is what I what I encourage people to do. In fact, in my teaching, I say this repeatedly: is we should never have only one teacher in our life. We should always have multiple teachers in our lives. Um, we should be willing to entertain multiple opinions. We should be able to think critically about things. The thing you like about JW Facts is that they'll actually quote word for word the Watchtower on multiple points, compare data, and they do it carefully and thoughtfully. I like that side as well. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and. And then, and then, of course, we go to the scripture. We say, let's let the word of God speak because that is the one thing that has been stifled in the mind of the Jehovah's Witness for years and years. The word of God has been um, taken out of context. It's been quoted incorrectly. It's been even altered in the New World Translation. And so, yeah. like, just saying, get alone with your Bible, which is interesting because that's there is some Jehovah's Witness teaching out there that says, don't do that. <laughs> like, don't get alone with your Bible. I don't know if they still say that. There's some of the older material. I know they did say that. You, 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 Rutherf- I think it was Rutherford who said you can't study the Bible alone without yeah. studying the Jehovah's yeah. Witness literature. Um, yeah, or else you'll start believing in what the churches believe. <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> um, so earlier I asked about your most important beliefs as a Jehovah's Witness. Um, what are your most important beliefs today? We're safe by grace, Mm -hmm. not by works. Mm -hmm. It's all about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He paid the price for our sins on the cross 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. And yes, he died on a cross 2,000 years ago and paid the price for our sins. And all we've got to do is go to him, Mm -hmm. repent, and we are saved. That's what the scriptures say. What must I do to be saved? Mm -hmm. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is. Mm -hmm. And that is awesome. You don't have to trudge the streets. You don't have to do the works. Mm-hmm. You do the works once you're saved, but the works don't save you. Mm-hmm. The works are an expression of gratitude for grace that you've already experienced through Jesus Christ. It's an act so, of worship. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. And it's so amazing. Once you know that, mm-hmm. this is why we want, we want Jehovah's Witnesses to see that. Yeah. But they can't. They can't see that. Because the, to them... The Holy Spirit is an active force. Jesus is Michael the Archangel, and it's only the Father that's God. 
and they can't see the grace and everything. They're missing out yeah. on so much. I mean, yeah. to know that your God has died for your sins, that's an incredible thing to mm. know. Mm -hmm. It was God's Son who died for your sins, and God's Son is a created being. Them. But to think that God sacrificed his position and came and died for you, that's amazing. Mm. It, it makes us love him so mm. much more, so much more. Yeah. Amen. Good answer. <laughs> um, okay, now let's suppose that a Jehovah's Witness is, is watching this right now, and maybe they're not supposed to or whatever, but for whatever reason, they've they've decided to hear you out. Maybe, maybe it's even someone you know um, who won't talk to you, but they're wondering what's up with these guys, you know? <clears throat> so um, let's suppose that they're watching and they're just beginning to doubt. They feel that stress and anxiety, right? That, mm -hmm. that fear that, that, that comes along with that. Um, what would you want to say to that person uh, if they're hearing you right now? I think, please, just don't, don't be scared. Don't be scared. You don't need to fear. Mm -hmm. And do your research. Look mm -hmm. into the history of the organization. Just put the watchtowers down for a minute and just look at JW first. And if you find that it's not real, then okay, dismiss it. But if you look at it and you see, okay, this is really taken from our older articles or modern articles. If you've got a CD-ROM, that's fantastic. Look at it. Look at these things for yourself. See the false prophecies for yourself, mm. but don't be afraid. Yeah. It's going to it's going to send your mind in, oh, well, it's, it's not a nice experience. And it, it kind of makes you feel like you lose all faith in everything and everybody. <laughs> but you can get through to the other side. But you, the most important thing to break free from the watchtower is to do your research. If you don't do enough of the research, you'll go back to them. Mm -hmm. Because you think that you have to be with them. But if you do enough of it, you will surprise yourself and you'll be thoroughly convinced that this has never been God's organization, never ever mm. has it been his true um, religion. Yeah. yeah. The, the problem you have is, is a decision they're going to have to make themselves. Mm. They're going to, well, if they start to realize and start to see and start to wake up mentally and see mm. what's really going on, they're going to have to make a choice. It's either Mm -hmm. The watchtower and their family and friends, yeah. or leave it for the truths that they're learning, and it is not easy. And I don't blame people staying in. No, I don't blame them. I can understand why they stay in. Mm -hmm. They might mentally be out, but they're at the cost of physically coming out. Mm -hmm. The cost is too high for them. Mm -hmm. But one thing I would say is, and one thing I've learned since leaving, is that there is a massive group of Christians of ex-Jehovah's Witnesses that are out here that will take them in. They're not going to be alone. They won't be alone because there's too many of us. There's actually more ex-Jehovah's Witnesses than there are Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm. So there are millions of us. And we understand. And there are Christians in churches that will embrace them yeah. in. They would love to have them in there. Mm. But it is courage. It does take courage. It does take boldness. Mm. And it's not easy. Whichever decision they make is going to be hard. Mm -hmm. You know, whichever one they make is going to be hard. But eventually, 
they're going to have to make the right decision because they'll just know too much. And their conscience won't allow them to stay. When it comes to the fear, there's a scripture that really helps me because so while I was doing the research, I kept going back and thinking, no, I'm doing wrong. I need to go back to them. It must be wrong. But when you do your research, you learn of all the false prophecies and there's many, there's many dates that mm. they've prophesied false things. So the scripture actually that I always went to was in um, Deuteronomy 18, 20 to 22. And it tells you, um, it, it goes through the scenario of whether God is using a particular prophet. And it says if he's not using this prophet, then the prophecy will not come true. And then at the end it tells you, when you're feeling scared, it says, don't be afraid because I'm not using him. Yeah. But the scripture is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Don't fear him. No. Don't fear him. Yeah. I love that verse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So, okay, one more uh, thing. Advice from Simon and Maria um, to Christians. When Christians have a Jehovah's Witness come to their door or they have, uh, you know, they go and talk to them at a stand or something like that. Um, what advice would you give to Christians for that moment? Yeah, do you remember we started with, well, right at the beginning, that they like to attack the Jehovah's Witnesses. Hey, I'm going to get one up on them. Don't ever do that because they're there to teach you, but you can't teach them anything. We were trained to go to the door. They spend hours and hours and hours a week preparing to knock on your door. And how much time does the Christian prepare to answer a Jehovah's Witness? Five, six hours a week? No, five, six hours a year. Probably not, <laughs> but they're trained to do that. So allow them to teach you. Allow them to teach you, and you, all you've got to do is throw in a question, just a question that they cannot answer, and just leave it with them. And be gentle. Take a book, take a magazine, because if you take a book or a magazine, they'll come back, because then you become a return visit. So they'll come back to you. So if you want them to come back so you can talk to them, maybe you could take the magazine, have a look at it for some you know, false doctrine, ex take it out, you know, put a question next to it. And when they come back, say, hey, what's reading your magazine? And I noticed this, could you answer this? Because I'm not quite sure about it. And get, get them to think. But they think they're teaching you, but in reality, you're actually teaching them. But if you go in there and you uh, appear to know a lot about religion and you're a very, um, I don't know, if you're just zealous for God, that frightens them. Because one, they think, well, I can't teach you anything anyway. And you're so firm in your belief that I can't change your belief. Mm -hmm. So they need to think that they could teach you something. So if you know too much, they won't be able to teach you anything. But if you don't say you know too much, yeah. then they will want to teach you. <laughs> mm. And that's when you would throw in one little thing. So it mm. might be about the archangel, who is he? Mm. Um, we found for ourselves there's two, two good scriptures to use. So if you wanted to say, who is Jesus? Is he Michael the archangel? You could go to Hebrews 1, 5 and Hebrews 2, 5, which show that he isn't, that God never said any of the angels were his sons. Mm. And so both scriptures help to confirm that. But you'd want to yeah. do just that and not focus on, on everything else, just that one subject. Mm. 
good advice. And to any Christians who's, who are listening right now, <clears throat> and your brain just turned off when she mentioned specific scriptures to go to and study and prepare. You're lazy. Like you have to, you have to actually read the Bible and study it and prepare for these moments and these encounters. And the goal is not to be like in your face, but rather, <clears throat> you're not even trying to convince them that you know anything. You're trying to get them to think in a fresh yeah. way and to see the errors that they've already sort of accepted. And so I, Hebrews 1, 5, Hebrews 2, 5, if you're going to use those, you got to go sit down, read it, think about it, study it, read it in context, ask yourself, yeah. what will they say when I bring up this verse? How will I respond when they say that? After the conversation yeah. with them, recap, consider it again, refine your approach and all that. It's going to take work yeah. and it's worth yeah. it. Um, I've, I've had, I've tried a ton of things when the Jehovah's Witnesses come to my tour and I, I, I want to try to put like a, a thought in their head that they'll leave with that will sort of start them on the journey of discovery, I hope. Um, yeah. one, and, uh, one that I use that it's an impossible question for them to answer. They can't answer it. Uh, one of them anyway, I've got others. And it's in John 2 where Jesus is talking about his resurrection and he tells the pharisees tear down this temple and in three days i'll raise it up mm -hmm. and he's talking about the temple of his body mm -hmm. and you can ask two, two questions there one who raised jesus from the dead and two what will jesus raise and just leave it that mm -hmm. because they don't believe that jesus raised himself they believe jesus went out of existence secondly they believe jesus body turned into gases and he was raised as a spirit creature so what did he raise well, Jesus says, I will raise my body, this temple, in three days. And they can't get around that. They say, well, how can a man, well, we're not talking about how can a man, we're not talking about the temple. We're talking about, Jesus says, tear down this temple, tear down my body, and I will raise this body, you see, in three days. Mm -hmm. So who raise him and what's he going to raise? And they cannot answer that. It's an impossible question to answer because they don't mm -hmm. believe in it. Yeah. <laughs> And that's consistent in the New World Translation as well, correct? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's a great idea to, to be able to share something where even the New World Translation still confirms this biblical truth. Because um, they didn't they didn't uh, remove all the good doctrine from the New World Translation. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah. So it's just leaving them with those thoughts. They might mm. walk away you might they might walk away from you and you think, I've got nowhere with them, mm. but you have no idea. Because you can't read their thoughts and you can't read their hearts, so you have no idea mm -hmm. how that seed mm -hmm. has impacted that person's heart. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that's. I mean, that's all the questions I have. Let me just say this: if <clears throat> anybody watching right now, if you have not been to Simon and Maria's YouTube channel, I'm I'm going to put a link uh, in the video description, and I'm also going to uh, put like a little text thing up that should be up the whole video when it's live. And I encourage you guys, go to their channel, subscribe to their channel, and support them, watch their videos, like and comment on their videos, and help them to get pushed up higher in YouTube for the sake for the sake of the, the countless millions of people who desperately need to hear the things that they're sharing. I think that um, what you guys are doing is great, and I, I, I encourage you to continue to, you know, seek to continue making your videos and doing just the best you can and that's all you can do you just just set the bar yeah. at we're always just trying to produce the best thing we can um your perspective is unique and mm -hmm. to be able to say we were we, we weren't just we didn't just visit jw.org we were jehovah's witnesses 
And <clears throat> here's our story. And we've, we've gone full circle where we not only discovered it was true, had the anxiety, went through the shunning, went through all the stuff, now found the truth of Christ, yeah. and are getting grounded in the word and have clarity on the issues. I, I just, I, I'm really excited to see your guys' stuff. I, um, I, I try to watch your videos when I can and support you where I can and stuff. So I'm, I'm glad you're out there and doing what you're doing. And uh, I'm super oh. blessed that I got to be a part of your story. Even though we hadn't met. You yeah. <laughs> You're the first video I watched on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> wow. God's good. That's amazing. That's just wonderful. Yeah.